on this episode of Blue 58. I think we can all agree the 2018 season hasn't quite gone as planned for the Packers, or for any of us, but that doesn't mean we have to be negative all the time. Let's take a second to appreciate the members of this year's team who are going above and beyond. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdick. I'm excited to be with you here for episode number 131, the one where we're going to be positive all the time. I was thinking about this, talking about it with a couple people today, and it just seems like there's so much negativity around the Packers, and for good reason. They haven't been very good this year. It's not super fun to talk and think about and root for a team that's not doing very well. But at a certain point, the negative narratives around a team just become all-consuming. And this is not some sort of recognition or admission that those narratives don't matter or that they don't exist or, or anything. I just don't want to talk about them for a while. So we're going to talk about the positive stuff that's going on with the Packers. Starting with the signing of Gerhard De Beer. His name is De Beer. Do you get it? I mean, it just doesn't get much better than that. It could be De Beer and Cheese or De Beer and Brats or just De Beer Brats. And it would be better, I suppose. But those just seem really unrealistic. So De Beer is about as good as it's going to get. And it's a pretty interesting acquisition because... Well, let's just look at his scouting report. This from NFL.com, quoting now fairly at length here. De Beer marched to the United States from Pretoria, South Africa, primarily to participate on Arizona's track and field squad as a discus thrower. He was a junior champion and excelled for the Wildcats, winning the Pac-12 championship in that event in 2015. He has also decided to try out for the football team, knowing little about the sport, but his experience with rugby gave him the physicality to succeed. He redshirted in 2013 and played with the scout team in 2014, bulking up and learning the game. It goes on from there. Basically, he played a little bit of tackle, a little bit of guard, and basically settled in as an offensive lineman in American football, which he learned about really for the first time in 2013, five years ago. Not too bad to even be on an NFL practice squad just five years after playing the sport for the first time. Despite his track background, well... Despite his field background, there are some concerns about his athletic ability, which makes him a little bit of an outlier in the Brian Gutekunst era. Because even on the practice squad, as we've pointed out numerous times, he has tended to like the super athletes, outstanding athletes at every position. And De Beer is not really that sort of guy. You say, well, you know, not athletic for an offensive lineman or just not athletic in general. I think it's the the former there. He's not athletic for an offensive lineman. That's not to say linemen aren't athletes. The Packers have some phenomenal athletes at offensive line on their squad. But even at that different sort of standard, De Beer is not a great athlete. He ran a 40 time of 5.12 seconds at Arizona's Pro Day. That's bad, but not super relevant for an offensive lineman. His broad jump, though, nine feet even. Not super great even for a lineman. And it, you know, attests a little bit to his explosive sort of athletic traits. Same for his vertical jump. A 30.5 inch vertical is not bad, but for an offensive lineman, it doesn't show the sort of explosiveness that you'd kind of like. And the rest of his scouting report kind of speaks to that a little bit. 
He he doesn't sustain blocks well, doesn't hold out on on longer rushing, slow burning pass rushers. And that's the sort of thing that you would come to expect from a guy who's not a, a particularly explosive athlete. The bigger concern, if there is one with the, the tenth member on a on the practice squad that signed in late November, is that he's probably still kind of getting used to a, a new body. He's a tall guy, and at 6'6", 312 pounds isn't all that much for an offensive lineman. And according to the stories that were written about him when he was coming out of Arizona, he had to gain about 80 pounds to play football. 80 pounds over five years is a lot, but it's it's enough that it's going to make you perhaps a little bit awkward as you, you continue to grow into that new-sized body. But still, six foot six, low 300s, you know, low 300 and teens, and at 24 years old, a good enough athlete to figure out the game and get to the pro level in the span of five years, I think he's worth taking a shot on. And it'll be interesting to see how the Packers use him, whether at guard or tackle, probably tackle, um, on their practice squad going forward. And at this point in the season, he's worth having around. And plus, his name is DeBeer. So you kind of got to like that. Let's talk about a few people who have, you know, maybe not completely made up for the, the negative run the Packers have had this season, but make it a lot more palatable. And I think we got to start with a guy who is not a player. But Mike Pettin is as good an acquisition as the Packers have made in a long time, probably since Julius Peppers, the best single acquisition they've made. Overall, the numbers aren't necessarily eye-popping for Mike Pettin and his defense. Even some of the advanced numbers don't show a huge number, a huge increase in performance over last year. But I think the general feel around the program and just watching them is that things are leaps and bounds better than they were in in 2017. To that point, let's look at some of the volume numbers, two in particular. Last season, the Packers were 26th in scoring defense and 22nd in yards. This year, overall, the defense is 16th in scoring and 12th in yards. From the Football Outsiders Advanced Analytics perspective, they are 20th in the DVOA rankings this year, or last year, excuse me. They were 27th against the pass and 8th against the run, which is great. That's a great number, but who really cares about stopping the run in a league that's passing 60-65% of the time. In 2018, the Packers are worse against the run by the DVOA metric. They are 23rd in the league. They are still 20th overall, but they're up to 17th against the pass. And they were as high as the the low teens last week prior to giving up a whole bunch of yards to Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. The bottom line, as I kind of said up top, is that Mike Pettin has seemingly legitimized the Packers' defense. It's a feel thing as much as anything, but you don't feel like the negative outcomes are inevitable for the Packers' defense. And in fact, at times, they have been quite good this year, a lot better than you know you would think, given the Packers' relatively disappointing 4-6-1 record so far. The Packers' defense has kept them in games that they might normally have gotten blown out in, might otherwise have gotten blown out in. I mean, think about how poorly some of those games early in the season, when things were really rough at times with the offense, could have been if the Packers had, 
the 2015, 2016, 2017 defense. Well, 2016 and 2017, the 2015 defense was okay. Now, sometimes you can allow the defense or, or um, count on the defense to carry the team a little bit when the offense hits a couple bumps in the road. And they've hit those bumps more often than not this season. So that's been good to see. Moving along, on the offensive side of the ball, I think it starts with Devontae Adams. He is probably the Packers' most valuable player so far this year. He's certainly been their best player. Just the raw numbers are pretty great. He's sixth in receptions in the NFL. He's eighth in yards. He's fourth in touchdowns, but that's only because there are three guys tied for first in the league with 11. He's only got 10. Over his last 16 games, he's been phenomenal. He's had 109 catches dating back to five games at the end of the season last year for 1,413 yards and 14 touchdowns. Only two players in Packers history have matched that output over an entire season. Robert Brooks did it in 1995, and Sterling Sharp managed it as well in 1992. Projecting over the rest of the season, Adams apparently is going to even do even better, slightly, but still better, than the ridiculous numbers that he's put up over his last 16 games. He is projected to finish this year at his current pace, with 111 catches for 1,481 yards and 14 touchdowns. Not bad for a second-round pick that people wanted to cut in favor of Jared Aberderis not three full seasons ago. The start of 2016, when we started doing this thing, that was a legitimate conversation for some people, not for us, for some, about Devontae Adams versus Jared Aberderis. Well, what's Jared Aberderis doing right now? He's not playing NFL football. Sorry, that was a little bit negative. We want to stay positive as much as we can. Speaking of positive, it's hard to not talk about positive things on the Packers defense as we switch sides of the ball again without talking about Kenny Clark, the boy wonder. There's not a lot that we can talk about that's going to make for good podcast content when it comes to Kenny Clark because you really have to see what he's doing to really get a grasp for what you know what's going on with him. But Doing the same thing that we did with with Adams, over his last 16 games, Kenny Clark has been phenomenal. He's got 10 and a half sacks. He's got 11 tackles for loss. He's got 14 quarterback hits, two fumbles forced, two fumbles recovered, and for good measure, he's defended two passes as well. As a nose tackle, those numbers are borderline unbelievable. Aaron Donald has done similar things, well, Aaron Donald has done much better things from a statistical perspective for being you know, completely straightforward and forthcoming and all those sorts of things. But the things that he is, or the way that he is putting up those numbers is completely different from what Clark is doing. He's playing a much different position. Clark, to be a nose tackle, to start almost every play lined up head uh, up over the center, to put up these kind of numbers is, is unreal. And he's been a fantastic pick for the Packers. And I'm required by law to say that he is only 23 years old, once again, because that's the thing that you do whenever you talk about Kenny Clark. You point out that he's only, you know, basically a young child in the world of the NFL, especially among defensive linemen. Pretty incredible. And uh, to add just one more cherry on the cake, I would like to introduce you to a number that we've been toying around with adding to our advanced stats library, production ratio. Uh, NFL analyst Pat Kerwin came up with this one. Basically, he determined that the most successful pass rushers or 
you know, people who play essentially in the front seven are going to have a production ratio of about one. Production ratio is calculated by taking a player's sacks and tackles per loss and dividing them by amount by the amount of games that they've played. So you want to have either one sack or one tackle per uh, for loss per game. That's that's pretty good. Kenny Clark has one has a, a production ratio of one point three four over his last sixteen games since he has the ten and a half sacks and eleven tackles for loss. So he is significantly above Kerwin's metric for you know baseline rating of what's a good front seven player. Again, as a nose tackle, this is not generally the sort of player that you are counting on to put up these kind of numbers for your team. And yet here we are. Kenny Clark is doing phenomenal. Just a great young player for the Packers. Can't talk about great young players on the Packers without mentioning Aaron Jones. The number I want to talk about with Jones is six. Specifically 6.0, which is the average yards he is picking up on every carry, every time he touches the ball on a running play. That is a very roundabout way of introducing yards per carry. You know what that stat is. 6.0 yards per carry. Very good for Jones. Leads the league, in fact, currently right now, and he's about to join some very rare company if he can keep it up. If he finishes the season, Jones, uh, with the current with his current yards per carry average, he will be just the 37th player in NFL history, 1920 to present, to average six or more yards per carry on more than 100 attempts in a season. The most notable example of that, I feel like I have to point out, because it's just mind-boggling, is Adrian Peterson averaging 6.03 yards per carry on 348 attempts in 2012. That's just wild to me. Jones, not getting those opportunities, probably shouldn't because he's an entirely different body type than Adrian Peterson, but that's a different conversation. That he's even in this conversation is pretty incredible. 6.0 is amazing. And to top it all off, among running backs, his company gets even a little bit more rare. Most of the recent examples of players rushing for six or more yards per carry over the course of a season, over the course of 100 or more carries, are, are quarterbacks. Michael Vick did it a few times. I think Russell Wilson is on there. You go back a little bit further, Randall Cunningham is up there. Since 2000, if he keeps it up, Aaron Jones would be just the fifth running back to hit six or more yards per carry on 100 or more carries in a season. That's pretty incredible. We'll cap it off by talking about one of the brightest spots of the 20, 2018 season to me even excluding the Packers, Jair Alexander. You talk about a guy who is just an absolute joy to watch. There was a play the Vikings ran on Sunday where they tried to set up a screen to Stephon Diggs by blocking with Adam Thielen. Alexander clearly saw what was coming and decided the best way, the most effective way to stop the play was to just blow up Adam Thielen. And that's exactly what he did. He ran full speed into Adam Thielen, knocked him right back into into Stephon Diggs, and then went on to make a tackle for loss. Just wanted to make me stand, or made me want to stand up and cheer. It was phenomenal, exciting to see. And in a nutshell, it's just been the kind of player that he's been this year. Fun to watch, a lot of energy, and he makes big plays. A lot of big plays. So far this season, Alexander has defended 
nine passes and intercepted the ball once against the Bills. Still counts even if Josh Allen threw it. That has only been done 58 times in Packers history, 1919 through the present. Only 58 times has a player had a season with nine or more passes defensed and one interception, one or more. Four of those times, it's been a rookie to put up that stat line. Alexander in 2018, Demarius Randall in 2015, Casey Hayward in 2012, and Mike McKenzie in 1999. But Alexander hasn't just contributed in those two statistical categories. He's also got half a sack to his name. There have only been 26 times in Packers history where a player has had those nine or more passes defensed, at least one interception, and half a sack. Since sacks have only been recorded since 1982, that narrows the scope a little bit. But 26 is still pretty rare company. But we can narrow that list down to one when we exclude everybody who's not a rookie. And that list includes only Jair Alexander, the only player in Packers history to put up the stat line that he's done so far this year as a rookie. The Packers got a good one in Jair Alexander, and Brian Gutekunst needs to get a lot of credit for that one. While I've got you here, had an interesting conversation, non-football conversation with somebody today. We were talking about Thanksgiving. We were talking about the things that we did over Thanksgiving, and he concluded that his Thanksgiving was pretty boring, saying that, I, that he lived a pretty boring life. I don't want to talk about being boring for a second, because if you have a boring life, I think that's actually a pretty enormous blessing in its own way. There are a lot of ways that your life could be really boring and really, really good in a lot of ways. For instance, I think I too have a pretty boring life outside of my exciting life as a a podcast host, of course. But I get up in the morning, go downstairs, have some breakfast, some days, some days I don't, go to work, do the stuff that I do at work, come home. Some nights I record a podcast, sometimes I exercise a little bit, but that's pretty much it. I don't do a lot of wild and crazy things. But there's a lot that went right in my life that allowed me to be able to have such a boring relatively stress-free life. And the stress that I have in my life is a lot more insignificant than a lot of other people that I know. So while this isn't football-related, while I've got you here, I want to take a second, while we're in the post-Thanksgiving mood here, to be thankful for the boring life that we've got. If we're going to be fans of football, and we're going to get bummed out in a significant way about our team not doing great. I think that's an opportunity to reassess what we're doing. That's kind of why I wanted to do the all-positive episode tonight, that we can get stretched out over football, something that has really absolutely nothing to do with us, means we've got it pretty good. I think we've got it pretty good. This is a fun distraction. And if The worst thing in our life that we've got going on is a football team that's not quite living up to expectations. I think we're doing okay. If you're not doing okay, I hope this podcast can be a nice distraction for you. If you are doing okay, I hope you take an opportunity between now and the end of the year to try to help somebody else do a little bit more okay than they're doing right now. Because that's all that we can really do. You know, just try to help everybody else get through it. I appreciate the people 
who have reached out with kind words over the time that we've been doing this show. And I'm thankful for each and every one of you. This is a lot of fun, and I'm glad it's it's a part of my boring life. And if you've got a boring life too, and you've introduced the Power Sweep and Blue 58 into it, I'm very thankful for that. And I hope that we can help your boring life just continue to be a little bit more nice and boring in the best possible way. That's all I've got for you on this particular episode. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us as you always do at thepowersweep.com, Facebook, and Twitter, and via email at thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us financially, we'd be very grateful for that, but you don't have to, but you can. Visit patreon.com slash thepowersweep or buy one of our fine t-shirts via Teespring by clicking the store link at thepowersweep.com. If you'd like to support us non-financially, the best and easiest and freest way to do that is by leaving us a five-star review on Amazon. Not on Amazon. You're not buying anything. It's on iTunes. That's the best and freest and easiest way to do it. Leave us a review as well. We do appreciate it. It helps more people find the program. As always, we do love to hear from you. Any feedback you give us helps us make this entire operation better and helps us all become Smarter Packers fans. And as I frequently, not always say, Smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I've been your host, John Meerdink. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Blue 58.